welcome to Inclusive Stories. My name is Brooklyn and I'm here with the amazing Tola. Tola is mom to Kev and if you follow on social media, you you know follow the stories of Kev and her family and I'm so, 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 so excited to have her on the podcast today to kind of like share insight, wisdom and story. Hi Tola, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me and I am so happy to be here. Absolutely. Fantastic, fantastic. Right, so we're just going to get right down to it. Like I usually say, um, what we do here at Inclusive Stories is pretty much getting to the core of our stories, selling our stories, whatever they are, and making sure that we are creating the community where other other parents like ourselves, rocking the same path, can feel supported, heard, seen, and validated. So mm-hmm. can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us your background. Okay, so um, my name is Tola. I am a wife and mom of three. Kevin is my eldest. He's just turned 18. And he has two younger siblings. Kayla is 15. And Caden, who is the last baby, is age nine. I am Nigerian um, by background. I live now in the UK. Um, For work, I am a public health nurse. So I do that as my nine to five. And I also quite recently at the start of this year started to share, you know, our journey with autism because I kind of just have a bigger goal back home of having some type of support for families back home just to, you know, raise awareness and promote acceptance of autism. Um, Also here in the UK have, you know, a sense of community for parents like myself raising autistic children. So that's me, kind of in a nutshell. That is fantastic. I love that you, you know we're just getting stuck right into it. You mentioned um, back in Nigeria, you know, having to create support for children and families on the spectrum. Can you tell? Let's let's start with your own personal experience. Can you tell us a bit about your experience as a parent of a child on the spectrum? What were the challenges that you faced? Because we do have a Nigerian community in the UK. What yeah. were those challenges or support, you know, that you found in the community? So in terms of my um, journey with my child with autism, it I was extremely clueless. Like I had no idea, you know, and neither did my husband. Like we, you know, when, you know, you're being told something and you're like, Okay, so what are you talking about? Like we were completely clueless, 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 and for the most part, I it, it was difficult because we had to start from scratch. Basically, yeah. I couldn't say that, or I had this relative, or I had you know someone that could point me in the right direction, or you know model how I'm supposed to parent this child that I've been blessed with, or even give me any advice or tips whatsoever. So it, it was a case where you know, we just had to roll with the punches and it wasn't easy because for the fact that I, I I had a child here in my hands that, you know, I had responsibility for, and I was clueless as to, I just knew that his journey would be different, but Mm -hmm. what way that happened, I had no idea. And then like Kevin was born in 2005, like there was no TikTok or, or Instagram or even like searching things on Google is not the same as it is now. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really have resources. We just had the professionals that told you stuff and that's what you took. And I just remember, you know, each time we go to an appointment, it just, you, you, I just go back home even more terrified because you just start to hear things about, okay, you know, it might not speak. It might not be independent. It right. was just all that type of stuff. And I was just desperate to, you know, you feel you feel like it's only happening to you because I couldn't see anybody else in my community with the same type of reality that I was living and or even someone that I could aspire to that. Oh, OK, this is what, you know, my son would maybe grow up to look like or be like or act like or do, do you get what I mean? And yeah. that was the most difficult bit was just not knowing and then yeah. hearing all these things that were just extremely stressful when you know your young parents just trying to you know get along with parenting and I suppose the day that 
um, our son was diagnosed, myself and my husband, we were in that office and it just broke down. Like, and I felt like that day I didn't get an opportunity to react because mm-hmm. he was doing the reacting for both of us. And I was just stunned. And, you know, he, he had his moment that day and I felt like mine started to happen as the time went along when, you know, you know, sometimes they say something to you and it just kind of like, okay, yeah. like you don't yeah. know anything. And then, you know, when you start to live this experience, it becomes your reality. And yeah. you, 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 for me anyway, it was two options. Cause as I said, we didn't have insight into what the future was going to look like. So it was either we just say, okay, this is the child we're gonna, we've been blessed with and we're just going to roll with the punches and do what we have to do. Or you can actually sink into what you've been told and let that take over you. Mm. In terms of what, you know, our community was like, I wouldn't, I suppose now, back then, there was not much awareness about autism. So it's easy for people to call your child stubborn or, you know, say that you're not disciplining them enough or, you know, suggest 2,000 things that you're doing wrong or you should be doing. And for the most part, like I had my mom, bless her soul, and she, <laughs> in Africa in general, I think that the, the in terms of disability, we only believe you're disabled if we can see it. Like if, I don't know, you were oh, gosh. And Like if you didn't look a certain way, oh. you're not considered so. And in my mom's eyes, this kid that she had, she was still going to train the same way. He was still going to do his potty training. He was still going to sit down in front of his ABC board and learn his ABCs and all of this thing. And for the most part, you know, that was beneficial for Kevin because his sister was born, he's almost three years older than his sister. So it was right after she was born because he was diagnosed at four. So my daughter was born already when he got his diagnosis. And I, I feel like that was a blessing for ourselves because she was so quick with everything right. and you know she was in a space so much <laughs> like even if he didn't want to play because before she came along he just enjoyed lone play because there was nobody else to play with anyway and he just enjoyed being by himself but there came a little sister that was always in his space always sticking his toys that he wants to line up always you know and for some part i feel like she dragged the communication out of it because out of him because he had to learn to tell her to get out of no or don't touch my stuff and all these type of things. And a lot of the things that happened for Kevin when he was younger happened alongside his sibling because she's she's neurotypical. So you know they went to the they ended up going to the same nursery when we tried tried school for him. They went to the same school in the end, well in the start and things like that. So I felt like that did you know help him for the most part. But community wise, it was difficult because you 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 go to we were Christians and then you go to church and your child is stimming while the pastor is preaching and everybody is looking and telling you saying shush or you know I was blessed in terms of. My, my my church at the time was, you know, when because Kevin was born in Ireland. We moved to the UK almost 10 years ago. All right. But the church was a small family church. And I've attended the church since I was pregnant, you know, even way before Kevin was born. And they didn't know Kevin any other way. And I found that that was a blessing because this right. was the Kevin that, you know, they've raised since, you, you know, it was a brand new baby. And they made accommodations for him, which was amazing. Oh, that's fantastic. But you can't, yeah. The the um the children's teacher at that time was just bless his heart. He was just amazing. Like, cause Kevin wanted to stay with me. He didn't want to go to kids' church, but this man will come for him and entice him with. He knows the type of sweets Kevin likes. You know, he would entice him. You know, give him the picture books of the Bible stories. Like they did really try to oh. accommodate him as much as possible. But you still have times where maybe you go to another church and a child. And I still have experiences now not for my own child because I suppose he's an adult now, but that, you know, a child might, you know, be stimming or making some vocal sounds and people suddenly turn or tell them to shush. And those are the type of things that I would say in my immediate family, I am so blessed that Kevin is the first grandchild now in my family, like my side of the family. So he's so spoiled by Oh, Kevin is fantastic. I'm not watching him. my dad is coming today and after this book we actually have to go and pick him up and he's just been talking about you know seeing like he's the first grandchild and he's just i couldn't fault the support i get from my family but i suppose we have to talk about the reality of what it can and you know what 
often experience as well. I'm, I'm so impressed, though, that even way back then, like, you mm. still had people that were so... And I know, like, this is a very touchy subject that you, we should not be overly appreciative of being accommodated, right? But the reality of it is we have more cases than none where we are not, you know, afforded that opportunity. I still experience it today, and you'd be amazed... Mm. Like I went to, um, I took my sons to hospital, not hospital, um, to the GP um, okay. recently. And you know, usually I don't take them both at the same time because it's, it's quite a lot, but I didn't have a choice. I had to. And members of the GP surgery, my, my sons vocally steam. They steam vocally and they steam with movement and they mm. were steaming. And I was told from like the reception area, can you tell him to quiet down? I was, and you would you would think that we would in twenty twenty three be sensitized, especially when you're in the medical field, that you do not assume that every child is being loud just for the sake of being loud and mm. things like that. I had to say, and I, and it always like it hurts me every time I have to say this, and I'm trying to, and 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 this is for me a learning journey. And also, I'm still trying to learn to be better advocate for my son. Mm. Um, not to explain why he's steaming and just to say he's steaming, but I had to say, oh, he's on the spectrum. I'm, mm. I'm trying to not to, I'm trying not to, you know, have to explain that to anybody because nobody, nobody should demand that of me. I should not be able to, I should not be, be, be forced to say, oh, he's on the spectrum. So understand him. No, he's steaming, he's steaming. That's it. So I'm mm-hmm. just, just want to say like, in your experience, how do you think stigma, the stigma in, in the minor, ethnic minority community, how do you think it, it affects our children and their growth and their confidence? Because for me, the focus should be them, right? I have the personal experience even today where I've got people, you know, in, in my immediate community, not really family, but community that are not like, not, not, not being mean, but just a little bit ignorant yeah. um, and, and, and saying things like, oh, you're overreacting. You'll, you'll snap out of it. But this, is, this was early on. You'll snap out of it. Or you're, oh, no, no, no. Every child, every child is stubborn, kind of like what you said. Like, how do you think this affects, like, how we connect with our children and their connection to our own community? I think it's in two parts. Because sometimes it's those type of norms and beliefs that we have in our community can, you know, it can stare out you parent. Yeah. And that's not the one. Because it can have you denying for so long. <laughs> because my mother said as well that, oh, it will grow out of it. Boys are so slow to talk. Boys don't talk quickly, <laughs> you know. So sometimes, and some, sometimes I look back and, I kick myself a little bit and then I snap back and say, come on, like, it's been a long time and you didn't know any better at that time. Because I feel like maybe if I had known what I knew now, mm-hmm. Kevin wouldn't have been three before. Like even at three, it was because the nursery had concerns. Like it was, it's my first kid. So I didn't know what age children are supposed to be talking at or doing this or that at. But because the nursery had concerns and they said, oh, maybe you should take him for an assessment. That's why, you know, I then did. But you, if you, because the feedback I was getting from my family, and as I said, Kevin is a first grandchild, so we always had this one boy that we all just adored. That old boys are slow, but he doesn't have anybody else. That's why by the time you Mm -hmm. have two children, three children, everything will be okay. And then he moved from that to, ah, when he's five, everything. Oh, no, when he starts school, everything. There was always some next thing for you to look forward to. And that could, I suppose, influence your parenting that you then feel like, ah, but it's okay. And then there's the other part that it could make you completely insecure. And I used to have so much worries of being out and about with him in case he didn't act right. And when Kevin was small, he was a runner. Oh my goodness. He was a runner. So, like, I wasn't ready to be going anywhere if my husband wasn't coming because then when there was two of them, and, you know, by, th- by that time, maybe his sister will be in the buggy and he has to, like, hold on to the buggy beside me. Like, if he decides to take off and then you start to think, am I supposed to stay with the buggy or leave the buggy and run after this child? Then you can't even make a decision. The anxiety of that is enough to keep you at home. I'm telling you, you like, okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> There's, no it's not what the hospital is. It's not, I, I can't be bothered. But 
So that's why I said it's in two part that it can make you relax and not do anything, or it can make you hyper aware, hyper anxious. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it just I just didn't know my son any other way, and I just wanted to make accommodations that I could, even though my understanding was very little. I just try to make the best accommodations that I could and try to understand his world. And even till now, like, I don't think you could ever fully understand how an autistic person's brain works. But if you just have the mindset of the fact that it's different to yours and the best you can do is accommodate it. Like, Kevin is 18 now and I tell you, his routines, he doesn't play. He really... And even when I was telling you before we started this podcast that he, I had to be, I had to borrow his headphones because I thought yeah. I needed them. And I said, "Oh, Kevin, would you borrow me your headphones?" And he asked me for how long. I said it shouldn't be more than an hour. And I tell you, if I was still using those headphones now and it was an hour, he'd be coming back for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, they are on routine, like the clockwork. They are like, even my my <laughs> young, like my babies that are still four and five. Their routine. If I deviate from it by one thing. Oh my goodness. And, and, that's, and that's the thing though. And, and we, this is one of the things that I'm, I'm most passionate about, right? It's mm-hmm. so great for us to have like special schools, special education schools and all that. Uh, my, mm-hmm. my son goes to a mainstream school. I wanted him to go to a mainstream school. Um, obviously if he's, you know, if he's not able to like cope there, I'm hoping to, you know, other things. But my thing is, instead of creating um, specialized spaces, for children on the spectrum, we as a community, as a society, need to be more inclusive in every way. So creating accommodations, like, like you just mentioned, making sure that parents like ourselves, for example, you, you know, when you talked about, even though you had no like in-depth knowledge of on the spectrum, but your focus was your child, how am I going to make sure my child is okay? Mm. You know? And, and I know I've spoken to a lot of parents that have faced, like, you know, stigma, discrimination. That even a lot of the time when I post about my child or my son, I get messages to um, my partner through extended family. Oh, why is she, why is she saying stuff like that? But, and that is something that is a reality for a lot of parents. And they're often afraid or ashamed to even talk about their children. As if their children is, you know, a taboo. And what I do say to them is that, like, as long as your focus and your goal is making sure that your child has the best possible outcome in any setting, you're fine. Because they're always asking me, how do I do this in the face of stigma? What would you like to add to that? Like, mm. what would you like to say to a parent, like, in the face of this, in the face of, like, opposition on, you know, either advocating for their child or even talking about their child? How do they you know, navigate this? So it's great that you mentioned that because since I started to post online, oh my goodness, I it's it's a it's a struggle to keep up with messages and I didn't I, I didn't ever see it coming, yeah. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, what I find not what I find difficult to process is maybe I make a post, for example, about maybe our journey or early signs of autism for example i would get a ton of messages oh my son is doing this my son is or my child is doing this and but they would come into your dms but not feel comfortable enough to leave that comment under the post i might have answered you know and parents would then say to me that oh ah you know they have the fear of you know their family their relatives knowing or this or that and i'm like that is a good place to start mm. the place that is not giving a care what someone else has to say because if you just free yourself of that burden it will let you see front of where you're mm-hmm. going see front yes if you just free like i started to share about my because at this point i'm like my my my, my, my son is living his life you know, <laughs> it doesn't care about one auntie or uncle that feel like he's not acting right or that is left up or less down. So, I am happy about his journey, his progress, where is he is now, and we still have a lot of struggles and a lot of things that we're working on. But I've come from, and this is why, and maybe that's why I feel at a place to share. I know where we came from. 
not knowing mm. if he was going to speak to us, not knowing what anything would look like. And he's in college now. He's traveling independently to and from college. He, 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 oh. he can sort himself out. He can make his own food. He's so passionate about his fitnesses. And I'm like, if this is what I can give to other parents, that hope that I desperately needed, because I did not see it coming. Mm-hmm. I did not see it coming. And I'm just... If there's nothing else I get from it, it's that relief when people say, oh, you give me hope for my child. Oh, yes. Oh, it makes my oh, eyes. Yes. It makes my hands Because I know how desperate I was to hear something mm. like that. You even just hear that it will be okay. Because you really don't have a clue. It's oh, my God. Okay. You're not no. me. Oof. 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 Oh, so, yeah. That's goodness. what I say to parents. You know the best advice? Yeah. Not the best advice on your Instagram. Sorry, yeah. first time I saw your Instagram, like, yeah. uh, my son is slim and tall, too. And it was like, I was looking at him in, like, 17 years. And I was like, gosh, I'm not going to cry now. Ooh, ooh. Hmm. One of the things, that, and, I, and I say this because I've spoken to a lot of parents, right? One of the biggest fears for us as parents of children on the spectrum is not knowing what the future holds, not knowing mm-hmm. what, what, like, how, how much of life can our children live? How can, how can they be independent? Will they be independent? Will they go to school? Will they have a job? Will they be able to do the things that we, when we were pregnant, were imagining life would be for them? I've got mm. two boys on the spectrum, right? Mm. I remember when I first, when we first had, like, the first diagnosis, and, and my second son, I had that those moments where in my head, as much as I was, you know, I love my baby. I, my, I'm accepting of who he is. I had this nagging thing in my mind, like, oh, okay, maybe, 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 maybe his brother is not going to be, you know, maybe his brother will do the football that we always thought that he would do, and all that. But it is. I have come to realize now that seeing people like yourself that have lived this experience is exactly what we need. It's exactly the kind of inspiration that we need because for a parent like myself, I don't have it all together. I'm still still figuring it out. And I still have my moments, like I just said, where I'm like thinking, oh, my second son might not have it. You know, that is just real. That's just real for you. That is very real. Sharing your story, that's why I will never stop talking. Like I would never like it's not it's not the easiest thing, and I'm sure it's not the easiest thing for you. Just getting in front of the world and saying this is me, these are my kids. You know, at the back of your mind, that people will judge you. They might not say it to your face, but I don't care because I know that if you can do that for me, if parents like yourself that I've seen can do that for me, then I can do that for other parents, which for me is the most important thing. You know, gosh, I I. Every episode, I'm like emotional. <laughs> I don't want to be, but Okay, but it, it is it is really emotional stuff, and it is a lot as a parent. Like I, a lot of people would message me and say, "Oh, how do you stay so positive?" And I'm like, "It's a choice." Yeah, it's a <laughs> choice. It is a choice. It's either like I. I stick on to any speck of joy in my life. Like, it's a conscious effort that you have to make because there are a lot of things that make you not see that joy. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of things. Like, like life can be life in. Like, things be happening. On a daily. (laughs) Things be happening. But you just, it's a conscious effort that you have to make. I look at it this way, like, I have to keep my sanity because yeah. I have three children that their lives and futures depend on, on it. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. whatever it is that's going to make me feel slightly good about myself, I'm taking it, even if it's as thin as a thread, even if it can break, I'm hanging on to it. And that's why I say to people, I don't have anything together. I just know that the little things that are slightly even looking together in my life, I'm going to hang on to it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Talking about together, 
I love to talk about self-care because I am a struggling self-care person. I struggle, but I know know how important it is. And I try Mm. to kind of find a balance. Can you kind of share some of your tips? I do know you travel a lot because I have kind of... (laughs) It's the way to stay sane. (laughs) Live in London. (laughs) Can you kind of share like how that has helped you? In your parenting, you focusing that time on yourself. How important that is. I am, I would like to state first that it is a place that you have to get to, and mom guilt is real. Oh. So it doesn't mean that you taking time out to look after yourself to prioritize yourself. There's no twenty voices in your head saying mm. how bad you are, how dare you leave your kid out. And aside from that, like it's. It's something that I know that I need for myself. Like, it's not it's something that I want. It's something mm. that I need. Because you have to look at it this way. If you're at home and you're on edge and the kid just, you know, puts the cup there and you're snapping. Or, the, yeah. you know, your husband literally just walks. <laughs> it wasn't slamming the floor. It was just walking. <laughs> Why are you walking loud? Why? That is your cue to go outside and get some fresh air. <laughs> and there's barriers to you getting to that place because i i feel blessed that you know as i said before i had my mother she only passed away five years ago oh i'm sorry if i needed to go somewhere for two days my mom got my kids covered and i know that Mm -hmm. not everybody has that and i am appreciative of that and it's a blessing in my life that i'm grateful for and then now again like my kids are the age where because sometimes there's this thing about moms that you just feel like the dads are just not going to do a good job. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and to do a great job. This is not up to your standard. They'll keep the kids alive. But, but, they will keep the kids. Because, oh, I used to, like, my husband is. Horrible at doing laundry. Oh my goodness. Till today. <laughs> but now I'm like, look, if it mixes, if the whites are gray, it's not that bad. Everybody will be, you know, we'll live. So you have to, like, like the kids are grown now and they can kind of, you know, for the most part, do stuff for themselves. But I just know that if I go, they have their dad. And yeah. I know that even if he doesn't use my approach to things, he would, he would always have their best interests at heart. And that's yeah. good. For that yeah. two days or three days or one week that you're gone, it might yeah. not be the exact way you want it, but it'd be okay. As yeah. long as I'm yeah. back home to alive and well kids, it's okay. Even if there's like a pile of laundry or, you know, the laundry basket is rolling over on the floor and there's clothes dripping out of it, I will pick it up from where I left off. I just need that time. Yeah, yeah. I, It's essential for you. And, and you mentioned something about like, not everybody has the privilege of having family to support. This is why it's important to create your own village. It can be family, it can be friends. And we know it's difficult to find your tribe. But when you do that, like you can help support each other. I am in the process of growing my tribe, growing my own um, village. I'm still not at the place where I can leave my child or my children anywhere other than with their father. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I get to that space, which is the goal, you know, yes. you will be able to have this much needed break. And listen, break. break, this word break, it seems to be taboo for a lot of parents. Uh, I choose to say it with my own chest, break, yeah. because it is an unending. Like, how, how dare you say break? How dare you want to take a break? Yes, I need the break. I need the yeah. respite. I need to re- recharge. Like um, before pandemic, I used to go, one night staycation, not even go anywhere, just staycation in mm. London, one mm. or two nights by myself because I wanted to sleep. I literally was like, I need to sleep. Essential. But I don't say I'm taking a break in my house and my children will not wake me up or like do something. So like, even if it's that, even if it's just, just finding pockets of mo- like moments in your day where you have things to yourself. It is, you don't have to feel guilty about it. It is absolutely okay. Because if you, like you m- mentioned, if you start, you know, snapping at the kids and uh, it's, it doesn't do anybody any good. And I get, I get easily triggered. I get easily triggered. And I will say that. So 
I do not want to be triggered. Let me just do what I need to do for myself so that I can be the best possible mom and parent for my children. I think that is that is extremely important. I, I want I want us to kind of like go back a little bit um, mm. to you know after diagnosis, mm. navigating education because I I find it so. Oh gosh, like I feel like I'm I'm a proud auntie for Kev. Like every time I see him and like you know hear him speak and like his exploits in college, I'm like, oh my goodness, how fantastic is this? Can you just kind of walk us through how you navigated the almighty EACP um, choosing? Oh. Maybe we we'll start first. It with is you. really the almighty EACP. You can start first with EACP, right? Because that, oh my goodness. It's it's literally like gold dust these days. It's like they, they, they're bent on not giving it to anybody. And what there is a, a plan not to. But anyway, I digress. You guys. <laughs> I think just to say as well that I, I had a call with another mom yesterday. She's Nigerian as well. And... <laughs> I I said to her that one of the things that you have to realize um, is that things are not going to land on your lap and you have to be ready to. And no matter how mad you look to other people, it's okay. It's okay. Oh my gosh. Because like... sometimes it's war that's needed. Yes. And you have Literally. to be ready for that battle because you are your child's best advocate like they have no one else but yourself yeah and even though like you know there's professionals that know all these things it's good they're experts in autism not in your child so if somebody comes and tells me in autism you are the expert in your child's life yes. because you live with them you birthed them you know them they know the textbook you know your kid yeah and as we know, autism is a, is a, it's a spectrum. No two people are the same. So if someone comes, with the EHCP, I say to parents, like, you have to be ready for battle because they're not going to knock your door and say, oh, here's your plan. That's what you want. There you go. And it's an essential document. Like, it's up until age 25, and it just guarantees it's a legal document that you will have the support that your child needs. And if they're trying to bycott or shortcut you, that you have legal powers to and support they will. Your And it is a default for them too. That is my lived experience. Oh my Absolutely. gosh. Absolutely. So I know that it's difficult these days, but you have to have the mindset of advocacy. Like you have to be ready to, but if they, you can apply and then they would, you know, deny you, you will appeal. If you finish appealing, they say, no, you will take them to tribunal. You do whatever it is that you need yes. to do and you don't stop. Yes. 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 And if, you know, a school is named that you're not happy with. No, thank you. Visit as many schools, even the schools that's not listed. You yes. do your own research. And I feel like for this part, like sometimes I suppose if you're new to the journey, maybe I can say all this because we've been on this journey for a while. If I'm brand new in it as well, maybe you won't know. And that's what this platform is about. And that's why we have to educate each other because for the most part, some parents just, they're not neglecting their kids. They just don't know. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Like I'm five years in the journey mm. and my fr the first ACP for my son, they both have ACP now. And every time mm. I say that, people are like, oh, how did you do it? Wow. <laughs> I did my, I did my research. I mm. did like, I, I made sure I knew the Lord. I made sure mm. I did my research and I made sure I advocated for my child, regardless of what anybody said. But yes. you're right. Like there are parents that either for any reason, they, they are just not capable of doing it themselves or they do not know how or they're just simply afraid and this is a reality for a lot of parents and the system unfortunately takes advantage of that and just throws this thing out like every time i have a chat with senko or whoever they're like and they vocalize it like oh how do you know so much how do you like i like i'm not like the expert in the field i'm the expert in my child my focus is him and anything that will ensure that he has the best that best believe it, I'm fighting for it. Best believe it, I'm challenging you. Because you know what, again, I've found as, as much as, you know, I love our educators 
I am really grateful that we have a place where we can put our children and where they can learn and they can have like focused, specialized learning. That is fantastic. But at the same time, I have found, and this goes with like, you know, educators and, and um, medical professionals too. They only know what they know. A lot of the things, even in on the spectrum, that there's so much new knowledge. There's so much things that they are discovering that like, I cannot trust what you tell me. I'll take what you tell me, but mm. I'm going to look at my son and what my son needs and see if that, that fits what he needs. If it doesn't, I will challenge it. And you are able to, you should not be afraid to Great. voice. You don't have to be, you don't have to be, um, what's it called? What's the word I'm looking for? Or anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not fighting with anybody, but you're making your voice heard. Because remember, your child doesn't have a voice yet. You mm. are their voice. So I am very polite and very nice, but you would know that I have, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, because if you don't, like, who else will? And I, I feel like, and I don't know if you have, I, I check out your website. I know you focus on, like, um, you know, in, in Nigeria and things like that. But, like, do you have anything that will kind of help, or do you know or can recommend anything that will help parents that, either timid or just afraid or just need someone to hold their hand through this process um, to help them so that they don't get churned in the system as I've seen a lot of them, you know, go through. Resources for autism is very good because they do have like parent sessions where you meet other parents of children on the spectrum. And I, I suppose sometimes with, with busy lives, because I used to attend a few of the sessions, but then life happens. But it's yeah. a great way because sometimes you just need to see somebody else that's that understands that just gets it yeah. that you don't have to like explain like they they've walked that shoe or they're in the process as well and I feel like resources for autism is great because they have those sessions where you can meet other parents you can meet the ones that are still struggling like yourself yeah. you meet yeah. the ones that have crossed that bridge you know and community and networking is so important like because oh, this journey is isolating <laughs> it truly is it truly is like sometimes things happen and then you just feel like it's happening to only you you feel mm. like it's happening to only you but some even the person might not have a solution to this thing that you know you're experiencing oh my child is doing this. they might but they're just saying that oh, my child does it too oh my child did it you yeah. know this time, that time you know it then doesn't feel like such a weight because yeah. then you, it's just the way the mind works. You just have to like, yeah. ah, okay, this thing and is And then not- you have the first-hand knowledge from other people that have lived experience. This brings me to my next question. Like, we've mm. had a lot of cases where children, especially black children, have mm. been misdiagnosed or not even diagnosed at all. Um, have been just because of their race, um, mm. you know, falling through the crack instead of being diagnosed for what they have or what 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 you know. We know that they have. Like, what are the, how, how, how have you ensured that your child received, like, the right resources, you know, up until where it is right now from, like, ACP, we talked about that, then to, like, all of the other supports, you know, occupational therapists, all of that stuff. How have you ensured that that has been put in place for him? You have to identify that it's a need and then look for the services that support that need and along the line kevin has that like, he's had uneurysis you know because he had issues with you know the way change they don't take to change well and i i said at the start of this video that we used to live in 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 ireland when we moved to the uk your child can regress and these are things that do happen. Oh, yes. like oh, yes. we you know even though we struggled with school because kevin went to four schools in primary alone Oh, wow. That was more settled. It was, and I like to talk about this, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to, because it's one of the regrets that I feel like I do have. Because sometimes, Mm. as parents, we have this mindset that this is what we want. Mm. Yeah. But is it what your child needs? I just had it that this Catholic school down the road, I've had my eye on it. And that's where my son had to go to. Oh my goodness! It broke down I so badly. You, you don't even know how much I feel you right now. I feel you to the core. Oh, oh my goodness! It broke down so badly that my son was spending more time 
out and even though I fought for this, fought for one to one, fought for everything, like he had the one to one, he had the class. They even made the space for him where you know if he was feeling overwhelmed, he could you know have his own corner. If he was ready, he would be integrated back into the into the group. But it just wasn't for Kev. I wanted yeah. it for him, but it wasn't yeah. meant to be for him. And yeah. that I we we persevered with this thing for two years because the first year I was like, it's new, yeah, everything will be okay. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't okay, my sister, because he cracked the code that, okay, if I just do a bit of demo for them, they'll take me outside and I can, you know, get fresh there. And it's what happened. He spent more time outside the class oh, than inside the class because he cracked the code of all I have to do is just, you know, crumble a few papers and, you know, my one-to-one will take me outside. And it's important to understand that, you know, what you want might not be what your child yeah. needs. Yeah. So let that be the focus of whatever decisions you make as a parent. And it constantly changes, doesn't it? Like, it doesn't mean just because they are okay now that that will not change in the next year, right? I think what I was saying. We, like, when we moved to the UK, we had, like, 40 training down to the T. It was, you know, dry day and night. And then this was my son. Yes. Again, yes. and I was like, no, yes. this could not be happening yes. to me. Yes. That is and okay. Then, it was a new environment, new house, new class, new teacher, new STA, new people. That's a and lot. For a neurotypical child, it's a lot. It was. But for a neurodivergent, oh gosh. And it, it just, it, it hit me like a ton of, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. As I said, it started to bed wet again and we had to get back to potty training that we'd gotten like four, about. four years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And at some point, then it started to have urinary tract infections that you now have to go to urinary clinic. So whatever it is that your child you've identified, there's a service that meets that. Yeah. You have yeah. to go and look for that service. That's where I was trying to get yeah. to. When it became, because people ask me a lot as well, because Kevin has a diagnosis of autism and ADHD. I remember I said in this video already that it was such Ooh. a run when he was a child. A run when, was that, that, when was it diagnosed for ADHD? When? When he was six six okay because like my son like i'm pretty sure is gonna have that diagnosis but they're saying to wait until he's six six years old okay so it was six when he was diagnosed and as i said before like going out is either it's just me and him because in case he decides to you know both me that at least i don't have an because he's not the only child but when we moved here this is in both behavior went on to next level like wow. we had to have locks on the windows because obviously it's a two yeah. house yeah. so that you know so all these things and that needs ot to do that so all these things whatever you identify you have to chase all the service that supports yeah. that need if your child is not talking don't sit down at home and be hoping that tomorrow it will happen tomorrow it happen. see your healthcare professional see your health visitor see your gp whoever you need to see share your concerns because yeah. you have them anyway and it's lingering on your mind you're going to sleep at night. You are thinking about it. That's your sign yeah. for you to do something about it. Yeah. Oh, because thank you so much. Yeah. That's what's that need. Yeah. Thank you. So I could not have said it better. Like, I have to pick up on something you said, though, about, like, you know, shutting the windows and all that. That is our reality, isn't it? Like, you have it to be aware of your... Window. It was <laughs> Like, there was lock on the window that even if you try to open it, you can't open more than, like, two inches. There's not enough... Well, we, we, we lock everything. I, I, I take out the keys... Yeah. And, and, I, and my son, like, oh, bless him. He's five. He's, he's the smartest little button. He will go and look for the key. If I put the key where he, he can get his hands on, and he will open, he won't open it. Wow. So, like, you have to be extremely cautious. And all. But that, that is it's great that is, like, you've said that. Um, can we talk about schools a little bit? Because, you know, we know that schools are struggling at the moment. We, we know that things are not as they should be. Um, mm. What what role do you believe schools and the education system plays in supporting neurodivergent children? And what are the improvements you would like to see? So I believe that with with schools and parents, yeah, it, there needs to be more collaborative working. And sometimes the system doesn't make it easy, but we have to make it happen. Yeah. So let me just give a, a bit of an example. Like maybe if your child uses transport, that already puts a barrier on if you're able to see and tell the teacher, oh, he didn't sleep well last night or, you know, something, something is up. So you have to ensure, because that information is crucial to whether your yeah. child is going to have a good day in yeah. school 
or if yeah. he's having a bad day that the teachers at least have an idea yes. so you, even if it's you know sending a note in or even calling the school to let them know so sometimes i feel like teachers struggle because there's that barrier and that communication because there may be a reason for your child's presentation that day that the teacher knows absolutely nothing about and then they just put it down as a behavior mm-hmm. oh gosh that is a trigger for me Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. so sometimes i just feel like collaborative working is very important and yeah you have to be conscious as well about it because it's vice versa your children your your child might come home with something or you know maybe a scar or not feeling well or something that has just not been communicated yes you get what i mean and so i would say the one thing that really needs to happen is that collaborative working yes. and a lot of things need to happen like resources <laughs> you know that needs to be better because sometimes you just find that an environment needs to just be fostered for the education of a child. Yes. And 30 odd kids yeah. in class. Sorry. Like, oh, I know. I don't. I just my heart to teachers because I have three children. And during lockdown, when we had to be the teachers, hey, Jesus is Lord, I suffered. I get it. For during lockdown, when I just had to be the teacher for only three children. It was I don't know how one the teacher, work. one teacher manages kids. It's not it's easy. It's ridiculous to me that even with the limited resources they have, they have, they are still plans to cut it. Like, like, <laughs> where, like, where is that thinking coming from? They want to be yeah. using our children as guinea pigs for their experiments because I don't understand the logic behind reducing funding in an already struggling education system. I know. That is a story for another day. I'm hoping that we can have another chat, you and I, because I've enjoyed this so, so, so much. Um, You know, finally, like, what message would you like to kind of share with neurodivergent children and their families? You know, like, we know this can be a very isolating journey. Um, like how do you feel like they can um get like away from that feeling of isolation and feeling of not being supported within the community? The best thing and it's what I live by is that your life doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. Oh amen to that. Mm. It really and it's this it is your reality, yeah, and it doesn't need to be hidden away for anybody's satisfaction. Like there is this freeness that comes from living your authentic life there's i I can't i can't explain it any better like i can't overemphasize like there's just you know sometimes when you just have to keep up appearances your head starts to pick you because it's just it's too much there is this freeness like if somebody is coming to your house and they like you can't know me and not know my son that means you don't know me because me i don't hide myself for anybody you don't know my son you don't know me if you don't know me you don't know my son and if you're not accepting of my son or my family as we are then what am i doing with you so and i feel like a lot for us especially as you know black and brown people it's just because we don't fit into what people feel like family life should look like or children should behave like or children should do or this and that can be such a burden and that's yeah. my only message because that's what I live by. Like, I do not burden myself with what you think that my life should look like or my kid should look like because my kid looks exactly what he should look like and what he was created to look like. So why would I be doing so, so much so that he can fit in? Like, I don't have energy. Like, I have big, bigger problems. Like, I'm I don't not, have I got, listen, I've got my life to live. <laughs> your life is perfect for it to be beautiful. Just live your life the way it is and be conscious about finding the joy because things life is hard mm. already. So you I just have that. to pick to the joy you have in your life. Do be honest with yourself about what you need. You have to critically think about it that for me to actually not lose it, yeah. what needs to happen? And this like this conversation, if you have a partner or family members, speak to your relatives as well. Like my husband knows that once on a trip a year, please I beg, I have to go. <laughs> I love that. I swear, I'm like in London, my sister. Like, I'm looking at you. I'm like, that is where I want to be. I want I have to be there. Go. I have to go, and I come back, and you know, even my children, you know, they see it, and they even miss you, and you know, yes. it's. It, I can't emphasize it enough, and I can't actually recommend it enough, and it doesn't even have to. You just have to find what that thing is for you. It doesn't have yeah. to be like country, even if it's just you know. 
I don't know, sitting in your garden having a cup of tea when someone has taken your child for a walk, or you going yeah. and having a meal, or going to the cinema. Some people are not seeing their friends. They've not, you know, because you just feel like, ah, oh, you have to hide away yeah. from everybody. People yeah. should not know what's happening yeah. to you. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's more damaging than you can ever imagine it is. Thank and you so much. That is brilliant. Like, I cannot, like, for anything you've just said. Can you please, uh, and I'm sure, sure people know already, but can you share where people can find you on social media and your website and any kind of um, project that you're working on at the moment? Okay, so I will start with the project because it really is so dear to my heart and it's called the Tala Andi Foundation, Tough Cares for short, and it's just more so to build a community in Nigeria. I'm from Nigeria because autism awareness, if we think it's bad in here in the UK, oh. <laughs> please don't get me started on Nigeria. And things are happening. Like people yeah. are saying all sorts of things, you know, they're teaming it down to witchcraft. Oh, please. Yes. All sorts of things are happening back home that you yeah. just need the awareness. And again, the resources are just not there. So tough cares, please follow and support us we're just looking to create awareness in the schools like you won't believe special needs school in nigeria is for everybody yeah. regardless of your diagnosis it's literally like a place to put children that they think that doesn't fit yeah yeah and kind of like you know the psychiatric hospitals in nigeria where even if you have depression or whatever everybody is there like every in the same space yeah. They're educating children that have autism alongside visually impaired children. And oh even children goodness. that don't even have um, intellectual disability. You even just physically disabled children that can <laughs> attend. So, yeah, that, <laughs> that is so oh my goodness. And that's what we're looking to do back home is just bring awareness to the grass people, the people that are not even on Instagram, the people that are yes. not on Facebook. These mm. are the people mm. that you know, we're trying to get through to. So please do support us in any way that you can. And then I share, you know, my antics with my son and early lives and banter on our Instagram, Raising Kevin, on TikTok at Raising Kevin as well, and on Facebook. I'm trying to be good with Facebook, but on Facebook at Raising Kevin as well. Great, thank you. I'm going to put that on the screen um, so people can see and follow and, and share. And I, and I can say for a fact that your timeline is extremely fun and interesting to watch. So definitely follow Tola on Instagram. Thank you. No. I'm always happy to be a part of anything that, you know, shares awareness, brings community, or even just shares our story because our voice and our stories need to be heard. Mm-hmm.